Well, it's good to have you here on your Rancher Radio. So we're going to talk about war. It's been in the news lately, and so we need to talk about it. Why is there war? Well, in light of recent events and the continued geopolitical struggle, I thought this would be a good time to see what the Arantia book says about war to give us perspective. And I found what I think are several very good passages that provide great insight and even perhaps guidance as we navigate through the news and events of late and try to put perspective into what is going on and why war persists even in the modern age. And of course, most of us understand that there are still uh, uh, tremendous conflicts caused by a, a variety of different things. But in essence, the Arantia book, I think, takes the overview, the, the macro view, if you will, of why war uh, persists in an evolutionary society. So I went through and I found from paper 70, section 2, and this is on the social evolution uh, segment, where the Arantia book talks about war's contribution to society in the past and in the present and what conditions create war and how it occurs and how it sometimes will move society along in positive ways but also sometimes not. So from paper 70, section 2, I'll go ahead and read and interject as we move along through what I think are pretty insightful passages. The nations of Urantia have already entered upon the gigantic struggle now remember, this was written in 1934. This was just before World War II, as a matter of fact. The nations of Urantia have already entered upon the gigantic struggle between nationalistic militarism and industrialism. And in many ways, this conflict is analogous to the age-long struggle between the herder-hunter and the farmer. But if industrialism is to triumph over militarism, it must avoid the dangers which beset it. The perils of budding industry on Urantia are, number one, the strong drift towards materialism, spiritual blindness. Number two, the worship of wealth power, value distortion. Number three, the vices of luxury, cultural immaturity. Boy, it sounds like he's describing the United States. The increasing dangers of indolence, service, insensitivity. Uh, the growth of undesirable racial softness. If you have large cities of inner city uh, racial strife, you're going to have problems. Look at Baltimore. Look at Chicago. The uh, Number six, the threat of standardized industrial slavery. Personality stagnation. Labor is ennobling, but drudgery is benumbing. And I think about... China. So that's describing the perils of an industrial age, which we are going through a lot of this right now. So as it continues on discussing the values of war and the effects of war and its impact on social evolution, it says militarism is autocratic and cruel, savage. It promotes social organization among the conquerors, but disintegrates the, the vanquished. Industrialism is more civilized and should be so carried out on as to promote initiative and to encourage individualism. Society should, in every way possible, foster originality. And I think a lot about the differences between the, the society that we've created in the United States or in, in Western Occidental societies versus what we're seeing in, say, China. And I think about the differences as it points out that militarism, which is pretty much how China operates, 
while the value of the social organization is is important, but it disintegrates the vanquished. In other words, it it, re, it reduces the individual to an automaton, part of the the collective, which we hear a lot, a lot about. We hear constantly what's good for for the country. They speak as one collective voice. Moving on to uh, section 2, paragraph 19. Do not make the mistake of glorifying war. Rather, discern what it has done for society so that you may the more accurately visualize what its substitutes must provide in order to continue the advancement of civilization. It's a pretty important statement. And if such adequate substitutes, it says, are not provided, then you may be sure that war will long continue. Man will never accept peace as a normal mode of living until he has been thoroughly and repeatedly convinced that peace is best for his material welfare. And until society has wisely provided peaceful substitutes for the gratification of that inherent tendency periodically to let loose a collective drive designed to liberate those ever-accumulating emotions and energies belonging to the self-preservation reactions of the human species. It concludes by saying, but even in passing, war should be honored as the school of experience which compelled a race of arrogant individualists to submit themselves to highly concentrated authority, a chief executive. Old-fashioned war did select the innately great men for leadership, but modern war no longer does this. To discover leaders, society must now turn to the conquest of peace, industry, science, and social achievement. So in this section, paper 70 from the Arantia Papers, we learned that war was somewhat necessary for the furthering of social evolution, but at some point it becomes regressive, I guess you could say. And so to this, I would think, and I would reflect upon what uh, the president said uh, just recently in the conflict between Iran and Iraq. He says, we want peace. And what could have been the beginning, many thought, of World War III ended up being a break. We actually did reach a crescendo, and I think the president, uh, I think the president <clears throat> made a good strategic move. So there's some insight to provide on uh, this, the Arantia Book Radio podcast, uh, tying in the news and all the events going on with, with regard to possible warfare in these times, and the approach that we could take going on in the future, and taking and substituting war, but by also providing some of the values that war brings us if you understand. Appreciate you joining me this time up on your Rancher Radio, and we'll see you next time as we continue studying, learning, and sharing the Rancher Revelation. Good morning. I'm pleased to inform you the American people should be extremely grateful and happy. No Americans were harmed in last night's attack by the Iranian regime. We suffered no casualties. All of our soldiers are safe, and only minimal damage was sustained at our military bases. Our great American forces are prepared for anything. Iran appears to be standing down, which is a good thing for all parties concerned and a very good thing for the world. No American or Iraqi lives were lost because of the precautions taken, the dispersal of forces, and an early warning system that worked very well. 
I salute the incredible skill and courage of America's men and women in uniform. As long as I'm president of the United States, Iran will never be allowed to have a nuclear weapon. We will never let that happen. Expand on some thoughts that we had about the two great dominant forces that are at play in the world today, on the world stage. The first being militarism, as as they discussed in Paper 70, which we just talked about in the previous segment. And the conflict between the two, militarism, which I would define as totalitarianism in its purest form, because you have an entire country that is basically in a totalitarian state where everything is enforced by the rule of government as opposed to the rule of God or the rule of law or the rule of due process. And then in the industrial uh, part of the world, the capitalistic pigs that we are that live in this world, we are on the you know the opposite end where we believe in, in individual rights, the rights to free speech, the free market, uh, all of those forces that that give people a way up in their their life and their quality of living uh, through prosperity that they would gain in their life because they have the freedom to to of mobility to move about and pursue careers and uh, get the education they need in order to be an entrepreneurial business leader or small business owner. So these are all predicated on the rule of law a judicious system where people are relatively free uh, to make the decisions, right? And so if you contrast that with what the Arantiba calls militarism, militarism, and then use China as the example, well, yeah, you have the freedom to do what you want in China to a certain degree. Uh, what you don't have the ability to do is to start your own business. Uh, you, you have to get everything approved by you know, the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, you are not free to write what you want and start a blog. Everything has to be approved. When you are, uh, well, let's take it to the very beginning. When you're growing up in China, you are taught from an early age that you are part of the collective. You are, you are nothing more than a part of a greater voice, which is the CCP, the Communist uh, Party. <clears throat> it's almost like the Borg from Star Wars if you or Star Trek. So in this instance, you've got two great dominant forces. And philosophically, you would ask yourself, well, which one of these dynamic forces would be preferred? Which of these two dynamic forces, the free market industrialist or the militaristic totalitarian dictatorship, which of those two kinds of government are going to help society evolve towards perfection. And when I say perfection, I mean, what are we going to do to make sure that life gets better for the individual? Well, that very question uh, doesn't have the desired outcome. If, if you believe that a militaristic society is better because it ensures that everyone eats, 
uh, everyone has access to health care and everyone is basically their basic needs are provided for, then you could argue that might be the preferred social system. But what if those people aren't happy? What if those people are living under oppression where they're not allowed to f speak their mind? Is that good for society? Well, if you're on the West, uh, then you would say no. You would say no, that's not right because people intrinsically should have the right to be free. And freedom, individual freedom of will, is sanct sanctimonious. It is, it is, you know, in the West, that is everything. Everything is predicated on that foundation. And so it leads to the question of which of these two dynamic forces will triumph. Because it's not going to be both of them. Eventually, one will triumph over the other. And I think that's the point of paper 70 of the Arantia book, is that you have a paradigm of two coexisting systems of thought. One is industrialism, which fosters the individual and originality. And the other is militarism, which fosters Marxism, communism, totalitarianism through dictatorship dictatorship or force. Those are the two dynamics. And so what does the Arantia book say? Well, the Arantia book prefers to have a system where originality is fostered, where the individual is fostered. And if you look at the premise by which God gives us free will, uh, one could argue that deity also wants us to have free choice, individual rights, and the rights to liberty. Because it's only in that scenario where you truly can gauge human character. So we're going to leave it at that on this particular segment. Again, your Rancher Radio, the podcast. Join us online anytime, yourrancherradio.net, as we conclude this episode. Until next time, thanks for joining us. <laughs>